Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. 19, uh, found in the NLT version. I'm going to be reading this uh, out of the NLT version. And uh, as I was at, uh, we just got back from an amazing conference called Team Church, and it was a lot of churches from all over the place just getting together and uh, seeking Jesus and, and building the church. And this is, this is what God uh, laid on my heart. And so uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19 says this. As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, just want to point this out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest, as it was accustomed for them to do. And as, as they went, they were, cle- they were cleaned of their leprosy. One of them, so there was ten, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. You guys know who Samaritans are? The outcasts? This man was a Samaritan. It's very interesting that he just had to point that out. He was a Samaritan, and he came back and praised and worshiped at Jesus' feet. Jesus asked, did I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up, go, your faith has healed you. Powerful portion of scripture here that we're just getting a glimpse of Jesus' life and his ministry with these ten lepers. And I believe that there is a very valuable lesson. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to preach on the surface today. Does anybody want to go a little bit, little bit deeper? I feel like it's, it's in the air, it's in the atmosphere. I think Jesus is getting ready to take us there. But I want to go deep today. So how many of you guys like to fill in the blanks? You know, you're taking that multiple choice uh, test, and it says, it, says, it says something like this. Let's put it up on the, on the screen. It says, from worry to blank to relationship. And you've got to figure out what that word is that's missing. And so today, we're going to figure out what that word is that's missing in this statement. But I want to talk from worry to blank to relationship. And I think a lot of times when we enter into a relationship with God, we carry a lot of baggage with us. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> we carry a lot of things to the table that should not be at the table, if you will. Uh, it's not God's doing. It's not because God, God is, is, is wanting it to be there. It's because of who we are. We're humans. How many of you know that we're just imperfect? Right? We're, we're, we're imperfect. We, we get things wrong. We don't do things right. How many, ta- how many, ta- how many times have you, have you said something that you wish you did not say? In the wrong time, at the wrong place, to the wrong person, and you said something, and you're like, man, I, where did that come from? Like, I'm a child of God. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm bought by the blood. <laughs> Amen. And, and this is coming out of me like, what, what did I just say? What did I just, how did, well, God, I, it hurts me so much that I just hurt this person with my words, I've been there more times than not. My wife will let you know there's, there's times, and, and it, I'm going to be examining relationships. Unfortunately, she's not here. Hopefully, she's watching online. Um, she's sick today, so pray for her. And my little boy's sick too, so pray for them. 
But uh, I'll, be, I'll be referencing relationship a little bit, and so you can ask her, re- reference with her. You know, so everything that I say here is open, in the open. You have free, free permission to talk to her about it as well. But I think this, I think a lot of times when we start our relationship with God, we start it off in one place, and that's worry. Worry. Because worry is the atmosphere of the world. Because the root of worry is fear. And we, we came from a conference that was talking a lot about the kingdom of God and how there's a clashing of the kingdoms right now. There's the kingdom of the Lord, and there's a kingdom of this world, and there's a clashing that's, that's going on. And he was talking about how it's not about politics or the next agenda or all these things that we, we, we fight about, but there's a clashing of the kingdom, and, and, it, and it's happening right now before our eyes. There's a spiritual battle that's going on, and there's a clashing, and it's coming out in these other areas that we can see in front of us. And a lot of times, what we're dealing with, when we're, when we're seeing all the things that we're dealing with as Christians, the things that worry us, is because we're coming and we're, and we're, we're in a world of worry and fear. Because the world does not have, people who do not believe do not have a hope for tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. Who holds their tomorrow? I don't know. They're coming from a place of worry. They're coming from a place of fear because they do not have the creator in their life. So they're worried all the time. And here's the thing. We came from this world. (laughs) Right? There was a long, in every single one of our lives, there's a portion of our life where we were living without God. Whether it was a physical walking away from the Lord or a mental disconnection or a spiritual disconnection. But here's the thing. I believe that worry is one of the greatest tools that the enemy has to destroy your walk with him. And if we're not, if we're not careful, we can, we can ruin our relationship with God with worry. It'll destroy it. It'll make it unprosperous. It'll make it, make it have no fruit. It'll make it a, a place where you don't want to be anymore. Have you heard any Christians recently say, you know, it's just not worth it? People walking away from the church, people walking away from God, people saying, hey, it's just, it's just I just can't, I just, there's too much going on in the world. I, I just can't be in the house of God anymore. I just can't be with, with the body of Christ anymore. Have you guys heard that recently? I've, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen people deconstructing and, and, and taking and, and breaking down their faith because there's so much burden and pressure on their lives that it's destroying their relationship with God. It's destroying it. So what is ultimate, what is, what is worry? Worry is, 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 is fear. It's ultimately fear for the unknown. It's fear for our lives. But worry is contagious. My first point here today is worry is contagious. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 to 32. It says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Worry is contagious. Our world is filled with worry and fear. Spend a little time on social media, worry and fear. And in fact, hey, the way social media works is the more that you like and click on things, that's the more they're going to show you that. So if you wonder why your social media page is filled with worry and fear, it's because you're, you're being sucked into it. <laughs> 
click on some preaching videos and like some churches and like some preachers and some worship and don't let, if you're on social media, don't let it be consumed by that fear. But the world, the world, it, it's contagious. It consumes, it says, it says this, that, that word dominate, it dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. It's like that's, that, that verbiage is almost like they can't get, they can't get rid of it. It's, it's dominating their every, every single area of their life. It's dominating them. And here's the thing, when the world, you know, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world, right? We understand that concept. We should be in the world, but we're not of the world. Well, sometimes that's hard. <laughs> I'm just going to call it out. That scripture is hard to be in the world, but not of the world. And I think this battle is what the scripture was talking about, that we're supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to have a never-ending a never peace about us. When certain things start happening to us. We're supposed to have a healthy relationship with God. But what happens is, is worry is like leprosy. So we're going to take it from the scripture. I don't know, does anybody know a lot about leprosy? I mean, it's something that we don't deal with a lot. There is a cure for it. And, I, and th when I went to India on a missions trip, um, I got to see leprosy firsthand. And... I'd never seen that before because I, I'd read it in the scriptures and, I, and a, you know, the leprosy was a big deal back then. It was a disease that they didn't have a cure for. And, and it was so much so that they had to have leper, leper colonies where they would, they would shun them all off by themselves because it was so contagious. Because it was an, it's an airborne disease. Okay, so people coughing and sneezing, it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But coughing and sneezing... <laughs> And you get around them, and all of a sudden, you have a bacterial, microbial disease that's eating away your flesh. Like, literally rotting your flesh away. And then it attacks your nervous system, where you can't feel anymore, and then pretty soon you can't see. And it's just, it just literally rots your body. Worry is like leprosy. Worry is so contagious that all you have to do is get into someone's airspace, and worry can get onto you. The challenge that we have today is we don't have to physically be in someone's airspace to catch their worry. Because we have something that's so amazing that's called a, uh, a cell phone that they created that can literally make us connected to anything we want to be. So you can be in someone's worry airspace 24-7. And I have seen people do this, and I, maybe you have too, where they get so consumed. It is, it's so contagious. It gets onto them, and they just... It's just, it's, you, you, don't even, you can't even recognize them anymore. Have you been there? I don't even know who I am. I've, I've had multiple conversations over this last season, six months, with our pastor. Something's not right. Something's not right in my heart. I'm not dealing with people correctly. I'm not, I'm not leading right. I'm not, there's something deep down inside of me that's off. Because worry is contagious. And if we're not careful... To guard ourselves against worry. How do you guard yourself against worry? With the word of God. You always guard yourself from worry with God's word. When you're in a healthy relationship with God, you guard it with the word of the Lord. When the worry comes in, you meditate on the word. Because worry is always a lie. It's always a, it's, the, the enemy doesn't really deal with truth. He deals with a version of the truth. And he blows it out of proportion so that you live in a false reality. Your worry is not reality. Your worry is what you think may happen. Who holds your future? You? Do you hold your future? 
Does the, the, do politics hold your future? I'm mean, sure there's elements of that that you're going to be affected by, but does it ultimately hold your future? Come on, we're born again believers. We are people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nobody that holds your future but God. Come on, I want to remind you about some, 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 some disciples that were living in a Roman rulership, that, a Roman leadership and, and government system. That they were preaching the gospel to the Gentiles that they would literally crucify you upside down for preaching the gospel. They were living in some worrisome environment. So how in the world, if, if you are hearing that your leaders are being taken out left, right, and center, and people are being killed, and not only, it's not the Romans you got to worry about, it's the actual religious rulers that are crucifying you and beating you and killing you too. How, do, how did the church find peace to thrive? Because they realized, I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of Jesus. He holds my future. He holds my future. So worry, it is contagious. How do we guard it? We guard it, against, we guard it by using the word of God. Here's another thing that worry tries to do for you. And I'm just breaking it down because I think we're all there. I, don't, I know I'm there. <laughs> so maybe this is just a message for me. But worry robs your fruit. We are called to be Christians that produce fruit. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, it says this. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who heard God's word, but all, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? Worries of this life and the lure of, rich, of wealth. So no fruit is produced. I want you I want, I'll just look at that. Read that again there. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no, no fruit is produced. If the church is not producing fruit, why are we here? If the church is not producing fruit, we cannot win the lost. If the church is not producing fruit, we're not doing what God has called us to do because the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the things that attract people in a worried and fear-based society. The fruit of the Spirit is what draws people in. I don't know about you, but those of you that actually tapped into the prayer service that we just had right here, how many of you guys felt the peace of the Lord upon you? That you really just tapped in, you said, God, I need you. All of a sudden, the worry that you were bound with was released, and you felt the peace of God come upon you. How many of you, how many, how many of you guys know that the world and unbelievers don't have access to that peace? So if we're not producing the fruits of the Spirit and we're bound by worry, then what the devil's doing, he's like, I got you right where I want you. Because a, a, a tree that's not producing fruit, what good is it? Sure, it maybe can produce some shade a little bit, but it can't nourish the people. It, the church won't thrive if we're bound in worry. God has called us to produce fruit, and the enemy knows that, so he binds us with worry. He feeds the worry. He makes sure that that post pops up at the exact time that you're... <laughs> Or that phone call, or that, whatever it is, he makes sure that it happens. And I'm telling you, I had, I, had, I had one of those moments when I was preparing for this message. You have that phone call, he'll make sure that he has it, <laughs> Phil and V know it too well. He'll make sure that something happens right when you're getting ready to, to prepare the message, at the crux of the message, you're like, this is going to be good. 
I would have just said, you know what, I just, I just, but I had to answer. Anyways, he'll make sure that happens. Why? Because the devil knows that you've got to understand. You've got to understand. The devil's not scared of you as an individual. He's not scared of you as an individual doing your own thing, you know, tooting your own horn. What he is fearful of is this moment right here. When the believers rally together for one cause and one cause alone, and that's to be a part of the kingdom of God and build his church. Because he knows if we're all together, we're speaking one language, and we're producing fruit, we are unstoppable. There is no, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Come on, people, if we get together and produce fruit and cast aside worry, we're going to see revival. Come on, it's not over yet. You're not dead yet. Come on, you still have breath in your lungs to see God do something great in your life. God's word is not void. What he spoke to you a year ago can still come to pass. Our mission is still build. We're going to build the church of God no matter what happens and comes against us. We're going to build it. Why not? Because I'm cool and because I'm wearing a leading second shirt, although you should get one yourself. But because God has the power to do it. I'm leading second. I saw that. I'm leading second. If you want to know more about that, I can tell you. A little pitch for leading second there. But I truly believe that if we get there, because here's the thing. Fear is the root of worry, right? It is written in the Bible, fear not, 365 times. It says fear not. Fear not. In a lot of those contexts, it's God approaching men to say, fear not. Why? Because God's got this. He's got this, and he's designed. The church was not your design. Fruit was not your design. Fruit was his design. So if we get alongside him and learn how to be in a healthy relationship, we're going to thrive in the kingdom. The next point is, so we got worry. We kind of hit worry. Right? I believe there's going to be people that are freed from worry today. And then we've got relationship. Two words that we had up on the screen there. We, we, we can see worry. We can see relationship. We'll get the other one here in a second. But we've got relationship. And there's an interesting uh, uh, verse in the Bible, a couple verses in the Bible in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. I just want to read this really quick. And it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some. Everybody say some. Some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. The best, the best, the best portions. Did he bring just some? He brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flocks. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Cain. Sometimes I get mad. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. And why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. If you refuse to do what is right, watch out. I'm going to stop it there. There was a relationship going on between Cain and Abel with God. And we see that Cain brought some of his 
some of his stuff, his, his, his produce to, to the Lord. We see Abel brought the best portions of what he had. And we see that God has a preference. Right? He didn't just say, bring your gifts, I'll accept everything. Right? He said, bring me your gifts. And when they brought their gifts, he examined their heart. And he said, Abel, thank you. You had the right spirit about this. But then he looked over at Cain and said, no, no. You didn't get it right. The, the, the way that you've approached me was wrong. The first point I want to I point out in this scripture is work, work, work. Relationships are work. Right? How many, how many married people can I get an amen from? Relationships are work. And we see Cain is like, dude, like you, you did it once and you didn't even try again? Like you, you brought it, you got angry, and then you killed your brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it escalated very fast, right? God, God warned him. 100% he warned him, but Cain allowed that to get inside of his heart. He tried once, and then he stopped. I want to point out something, and I want to make this super clear for everyone. There is no more important relationship that you have than your relationship with God. There, is, there isn't a relationship on this planet that is more important than your relationship with God because everything flows from your relationship with God. Everything flows from your relationship with God. So guess what? It takes work, right? It takes work because what happens is when God saves us and God brings us into his kingdom and God, God, God starts a relationship with us, we bring a lot of baggage in from our lives, right? We bring a lot of perspectives into our, from our lives. We bring a lot of thought processes in from our lives. We, got, we bring a lot of our baggage into it. And so it takes work. So here's the amazing promise that, that God says. He says, if you learn how to do it right, you're going to be accepted. That's the promise. That if you work, 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 work at your relationship with God, it's going to work out in the end. But if you get frustrated, I don't, I don't know how, who I'm speaking to you, but you get frustrated that you pursued a relationship with God and something didn't go your way and you walked away. Come on, that's not how relationships work. If you view that, if that's your lens of relationships, there is no relationship on this planet that's going to work for you. In fact, you can just go live in the woods and hang out by yourself because that, that's a good, hey, I'm, not, I'm not against that. Go homesteading, right? Because you're not going to have any relationship. I'm sure the bears and the wildlife that you, be, you become friends with, they may bite you too. <laughs> but here's the thing, it's work. It takes work, it takes mercy. And here's the thing, God is merciful to someone that is working on their relationship with him. God is gracious to those that are continuing to pursue a relationship with him. But for those that just say, hey, he said sin lies at the door. And it's, it's going to be a great burden to you, Cain. So here's the thing. You've got to work, work, work at our relationships. The other thing I learned about this scripture is approach matters. Approach matters. How you approach God matters. Cain presented some. Here you go, God. What does some mean? It could, be, it could be like, that was a wilted carrot. Here's some, God. You know, this crop was decent. You know, the way that I like to think about it is, I don't know, if, are there any um, farmers, people that garden, that are good at it? Okay. <laughs> I'm in good company. 
So I've tried to garden many times. I've tried to have, you know, raised beds and all this stuff, and, and I, I never really understood it properly to, to produce anything that was worth anything. I grew a couple carrots. But if you don't have the proper, like, like pH levels in the soil, when you plant a crop, you're going to have some areas that thrive and some that do not. Like, you're just going to get a little shoot, and that's it. And other areas are going to be like, man, they're thriving. So the way I like to see it, and I think that this is what it was, maybe Cain had a little bit of worry in his heart. Maybe he was a little bit worried about his tomorrow, where he said, hey, I could give him the best, but if I give him the best, then what do I have left? If I give him, give him the first and the best of my fruit, then I'm going to have to be eating these tiny little puny little carrots. And, 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 then, and then what happens if next season is the same and then I don't have anything? He was living in worry. So what did he do? He just gave God some. And I believe he kept the best for himself. Not, now here's the thing. Not because he just liked good things. It was because he was worried about his tomorrow. I need to make sure I have enough so that I can get through till tomorrow. When you look at Abel's response, he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to give the best of my flocks. The ones that, that come out that I know are going to be strong and, and flourish and give me more of a, a, a production in the future, I'm going to give those to God. Because why? Because God holds my future. And if God gave me this great calf, he can give me a hundred great calves the same way as he gave me this one. So I'm going to give him my best so that, so that I can remind him, God, my best is in, is in you, God. My future's in you. I'm not going to worry about what tomorrow's going to bring because I know you have my tomorrow. God, I'm going to trust in you, God. Come on, your approach to God matters. It matters. And here's what I think we do a lot of times. How many of you guys want a relationship with God? Let's just be true, truthful, right? All of us. I think what we do sometimes is we go from worry to relationship just right out of the gate. Now, in our, in our scripture here, I want to be clear, that can work. But a lot of times, he becomes fix-it Jesus. Right? If you just fix this problem, then I'm, the pressure will be taken off. And I'll be okay. I'll stop stressing in the middle of the night if you just fix this problem, God. Fix-it Jesus. <laughs> just remove my worry, God. And then I'll be fine. We, we pray out of convenience... Not out of God's will for our lives. We want things to be convenient. We want to, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for you. I want to go home and sit in my backyard and just hang out, listen to some music, and relax. That's my happy spot. You know what I mean? I like that. And I think we should all have happy places. I got, we even got a little hammock between two trees that I can just hang out and swing and think. and It's great. But a lot of times I think that's what we're, we think our lives should be as a Christian. <laughs> Right? It's just this easy-going, happy life that there's no problems, there's no worries, and we're just kind of hanging out. So we go from worried to relationship, and yes, God fixes some things. He does, because that's who our God is. But we notice in our story here, found in Luke chapter 17 and verse 11 through 19, that their posture, yes, you notice what they were saying, these, these ten lepers. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How many of you think that that's a good posture? It's pretty good, right? It was good enough to get them what they wanted. But then when they realized they were healed, where were they? 
When the miracle took place, they just got what they wanted. Our God is not a vending machine. And that's not what a relationship is. See, the problem is, is we come in with unhealthy expectations of a relationship and that it's all about us. Right? Well, what about God? Right? He created you for his purposes. You're his bride. We are his bride. We're, we're his. So where, where's God in that equation? And what happens is, is we, we just jump from worry to relationship and things get really, really messy. We live in constant, Christians live in constant states of anxiety. Wondering about tomorrow, wondering about what's going on, wondering what's, what's happening. We live in these, these, these tensions of just pure chaos. And I'm telling you right now, I've lived it this year. I have had messed up stuff happen <laughs> this year. But here's the thing. We went, we went to the conference, and we're going to get into this real quick here. I know I'm going over a little over time here, but at the conference, there was a word that was spoken. And, it, and I, I know the story. It was a blind man being healed. Jesus led him outside of the village. He healed him. And then when he healed him, he said, do not go back. And the, the, the preacher was, was English. It was via, via, right? She speaks better English than all of us. <laughs> via the village. Do not go back the same way that you came. And I want to say this. I want to say that Jesus changes my life a lot because I let him. <laughs> and it's exciting. But I chose when I came back to church and back to my life and everything, that I was not going to go back with the same mindsets as I was dealing with before. Because I was having a lot of anxiety. I was having a lot of depression. I was having a lot of anger. I was having a lot of, oh God, we're going to die scenarios. Like we're, we're going to live in a cardboard box somewhere. Or, or, you know, I had a lot of these scenarios going through my mind. But I chose because I, I had a moment of transformation where, can we throw that, that, thir that third word on the screen, Declan? In worship. I had moments of transformation in worship. And what we're trying to do as Christians is we're jumping from worry straight to a relationship. And we're wondering why the relationship just isn't working out. We're getting the Novocaine hit. We're getting the numbing sensation that we're just going to be fine for another season. And then the wave of trouble comes back up. And we're just like, fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. So he takes us back out again. And then we're good. We're good. And then that wave hits again. We're, fix it. When Jesus is wanting to transform us in worship. Because the waves of life are not meant to destroy you. They are meant to transform you. And if you refuse to walk through the trials of life, if, what would happen if Jesus denied the cross? What happened if he was sweating in the garden and he said, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. It's too much. I'm going to die on the cross. Like, come on. That's pretty intense, right? What if he went around the trial? We would not be here today. But he chose to worship and proclaim, God, not my will, but yours. Listen, you can't say that unless you're worshiping. 
You can't say, God, you're not my will, but what, in fact, that posture of kneeling down before the Lord is saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm literally bringing my head to the earth to show you that you're above me and your ways are above my ways. It's worship. Worship is the key. So here's, here is the great, the great example of worship. One of them, the Samaritan, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. There's that relationship. He came back to Jesus. Shouting, praise God. Okay, so let's look at the first one. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Shallow. I'm going to tell you, that's shallow. But look at this. Shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Thanking him for what he had done. Wow, that's worship. That's worship. And I believe this, I believe this in this moment that no matter where you're at in your walk with God, if you'd stand with me, if the band could come, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, maybe you find yourself in the worry scenario and you're bound by worry and you don't even know anything about a relationship with God. Or maybe you're in a a scenario that you've been approaching your relationship with God with worry and it's just not working out. And it's stressful and it's, 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 it's hard and it's just a burden to be in a relationship with God. No matter where you are in this scenario, God wants to move upon you. Because here's the thing, God did not turn away the other nine. It wasn't just the one that received the miracle. God touched them all. Why? Because God's heart is to show you that he's in control of your situation. He's in control of everything you're worried about. He's in control of every scenario. He's in control of everything that you're going through. He's in control of it. So I believe this. God is going to do a miracle in this place in someone's life here today. God's going to speak to you. God's going to move in your heart. Maybe it's already happened and you feel the shackles of worry starting to break off of your heart and your spirit right now. God wants to speak to you and change you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to come in the same way that you came. He wants you to enter into a relationship and a new approach to him. And that approach is in worship, not worry. So I I want this call for us. I wonder right now if we can just let all the worries begin to dissolve. Come on, close your eyes. Find a place of a posture of worship, raising your hands or kneeling before him. Allow all of the worries to start to dissolve. Jesus is on the throne. And he has conquered death, hell and he is at the right hand of the Father and he hears you and he knows you and he loves you and he's calling you and beckoning you into this worship experience right now where you can let go of your burdens you can let go of your worries. You can let go of the things that are binding you in your relationships with God. Because healthy relationships produce healthy fruit, which wins the world. And if 
we get this right today, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a, a prophetic word. If you allow God to speak to you and into your heart today, I believe there's a harvest that you're going to reap this week. Not, 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 not like a physical. I'm not talking about you're going you're to find a bag of gold or anything like that. I believe someone is going to be brought to Jesus. Someone is going to be brought. Someone is going to be brought to a realization of who Jesus is through your posture of worship because fruit brings people to Jesus thank you so much for joining us today I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul we pray that you have an amazing week thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family God bless you